0: Are you overwhelmed and discouraged by what's been taking place in our world? God would love to bring you rest and peace this Christmas. We'll tell you about it next on this Christmas Eve edition of Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.
1: This is unfair.
0: You'll probably be opening quite a few gifts today or tomorrow with friends and family. And today on Abounding Grace, we have another gift for you to unwrap. And spoiler alert, it's the Christmas gift of rest. Jesus would love to give that to you, as we'll learn on this beautiful Christmas Eve. Maybe this year, rest and peace seems like an elusive target and out of reach. Seems like everywhere we turn, there's something that attempts to disrupt that peace. Well, let's join Pastor Ed Taylor now
1: in Matthew 11 and hear about this marvelous gift. Matthew chapter 11 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Unwrapping Your Christmas Gift of Rest. Unwrapping Your Christmas Gift of Rest. And of course, you know by now the holidays are upon us. And whenever I think of the holidays upon us, I think of the need for rest. And how important it is for us to enter in to the rest that God has for us. It's so needed. Not just outwardly. We think, you know, maybe we need to take a nap or sleep a little more. I'm not speaking outwardly, but rather I'm speaking inwardly, spiritually. And I think of rest along the lines of peace and trust. Or or putting it this way, I wrote down, a settled mind trusting in a sovereign God. A settled mind, a mind that's firmly fixed by faith, trusting in the sovereignty and the sovereign purposes of our God. What's on your mind today? What did you bring in? What's on your mind today? What did you bring into this room? What burden have you been carrying? What is it that's been troubling you? I think of Jesus in John chapter 13 recognizing and sensing that in his disciples. He said, let not your heart be troubled. What's been troubling you? What's been overwhelming and disrupting your peace? What have you been carrying around that you were never intended to carry around? Jesus describing the enemy of our souls in John 10.10 said this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Or in the New Living Translation, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The will of God for you today. And so we make a conscious choice this holiday season. We choose to live intentionally, focused upon enjoying and resting and bringing rest to those that we meet. How important it is that we don't bring our burdens into other people's lives. That we don't, be, we don't become known by our burden sharing, but rather as we become known as the ones that bring peace and rest into a situation. I was thinking this Christmas season about the birth of Jesus And that Jesus was born to give you rest. He was born for that. His purpose in life was to give you a rest that only he can give. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've seen a lot of lives ruined looking for rest. Alcohol companies promise it. Drugs claim to give it. And I think about all the activity that is happening in lives where, you know, the party scene, uh, the new people are just running from one thing to another, the newest U, new YouTube craze, the newest app, the newest influencer, the, the, some new technology. We're just running like pinballs all over, going here, going there, trying to find that which will bring us satisfaction. And it's to an edgy and restless world that these words of Jesus come loudly and crystal clear. Notice with me in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, reading from the New King James here, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to it in the New Living Translation. There's a couple things I think it adds as you memorize something so often. Like for example, when we use the word heavy laden, we really don't use that word in our normal English. So I looked it up. I wanted to to get the depth of what is that really trying to convey in the English. Listen to it in the New Living. I think they did a great job. It says... Then Jesus said, come to me, all you, all of you who are weary and then heavy laden is translated and carry heavy burdens. That's really what it means. Come to me, those of you that have been carrying heavy burdens and are tired. It's a tiring way to live your life. And he says, I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and I love this phrase, so, so look back because I want you to write in your Bibles if you like to do that. It says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, the New Living Translation says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Would you pause for a second and just think about that for a minute? Jesus is here today saying, let me teach you. You that are weary and tired, and overwhelmed with burdens. I know we come together and we we have Bible studies regularly. We're a church committed to the Word. We're going to teach the Bible. I mean, we have uh, three Bible studies on the weekend. We have one on Wednesday, just that. That's 208 or so Bible studies just just from the pulpit here. And we may get confused to think we're just here for learning and knowledge and Bible knowledge. But if a pastor's doing what he's supposed to do, the Spirit of God will use him so that you'll learn from Jesus, not from a man. You're not becoming a disciple of me or this church or this movement or what you're becoming a disciple of Jesus and he says if you're tired and you're weary and you're burdensome and you're carrying burdens he says let me teach you a lot of times in my devotional life as it gets stale you know we're coming up on the beginning of the year so everybody's going to reboot their devos and going to read through the bible it's going to be exciting until you hit the wall Everybody hits the wall at some point. We're like, oh, I don't know. Usually it's Leviticus. And you're like, oh, I don't know about this. And you put it on pause and some of you never pick it up again. But now that you get to do it, like whenever I hit a wall in my devos, I always like to go back to the Gospels. I'll just stop what I'm doing, go back to one of the Gospels. And in my mind, I'm going to walk along the road with Jesus. I just finished Mark recently. I'm just going to go back to basics. And I want to let Jesus teach me in a new, fresh way personally. And that's his invitation. He says, let me teach you. It's like a parent to their child. Let me teach you. Like, I know you think you've got it all together, and I know you think you're going to know. I know you. No, let me teach you. Let let me help you, he says. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find the rest you've been looking for. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Hey, when you think of the manger scene, we're immediately drawn, our attention is drawn to this precious baby, unassuming, adorable. That baby is the key to man's restlessness. And babies certainly have a way of changing everything, don't they? They have a way of bringing a whole newness to life, precious and wonderful. But today we fast forward 30 plus years in the life of that baby because that baby grew up And that baby was born like you were born, with a purpose to fulfill, with a specific plan and path of life. And here we find Jesus in Matthew 11 in his 30s, serving around the Sea of Galilee. He's just pronounced judgment on a few of the cities around the Sea of Galilee because of their resistance and their rebellion. He has... Brought about this strong word, because you don't want me, because you don't desire me, the consequences of that will be in your life. You'll experience the pain of rejecting me. And then he goes on to say in openly, and beginning in verse 25, an open prayer, and he begins to pray out loud until he comes to the invitation that we just read. It's a beautiful invitation. It's an invitation to come to him directly. And it's an invitation to a group of people that are wearied and burdened, wrestling with life's circumstances. And he says, come to me. It's very important that you see that the solution to the restlessness in your life is to come into relationship, unity, oneness with Jesus. He calls out to those that are burned out, to those that are bummed out, To those that are weary to exhaustion, to those that are emotionally drained, to those that are tired of the drama, for those that are tired of the difficulty, tired of the pressure, tired of the difficulties of life, it is a life-giving invitation. When you think in a general sense, because we all came in here with our own personal lives and our own personal difficulties— in our own personal minds and emotions but if we draw the curtain back just a little bit and say wait a minute what is the general burden that we all share what what is the commonality in our lives if this was a general invitation to the people listening in the first century well, what is the general information to the people what the general invitation to the people in the 21st century and i would say that we all share a common burden and that burden is life the burden of living in a sin soaked world. The burden of the sin consequences that we deserve, of our own bad decisions, and the burden of living life at the consequences of someone else's sin. And it's life. Life in and of itself is burdensome. Amen. So many are burying the load of living life. Life can be hard, life is hard. And when you mix in the difficulty and burden of life with this sense of getting out from under the burden, then you add another layer of complexity, and that is the burden of pleasing ourselves. That's a heavy burden to carry, to live life pleasing yourself, to live life seeking out a sense of satisfaction. And as what Jesus promises, rest and peace how many times have you found yourself saying, you know, I just, I just want this to end, desiring peace. I just wish this would come to a close, desiring peace. I wish they would stop. Those are all, that's all the language of seeking rest and satisfaction. And so many are bearing the load of trying to please themselves. I think of the world in which we live that chases after things that never really suffice. They never really satisfy. Riches pleasure, popularity, happiness. Many of you are trained today looking at your phone to see how many people like what you posted, how many people engaged with you, how many people agreed with you. It's conditioned to seek after that which, they they even do studies like if you have a level of of likes that you have, it clicks something in your brain and makes you feel good. And as we find ourselves searching after these things, everyone has a burden wanting to be happy, wanting to find satisfaction. Everyone has a burden, pains and sorrows, grief and strife. And as a result, there is unrest in every heart. You know, if I only had more, I would be happy. More time. How many of you wish? I wish I had more time. You know, you may not say that, but you will say this. There's only so many hours in a day. I know, We all have the same amount of hours. But what you're expressing is, I need more time. If I had more time. If I had more time. If I got more attention. If people liked me. People paid attention. If people saw me. If people acknowledged me. If I only had more attention. If I had more entertainment. If I had more friends. How about this one? If I had more money, pastor, I'd be satisfied. Okay. Okay. You had more money. How much money will it take for you to be happy and satisfied? Just how much money will it take? Well, pastor, let's uh, start at a million dollars. All right, so a million dollars, you'd be satisfied. Do you know there are people that have a hundred million dollars and are still not satisfied? And you say, wait a minute, Ed, at least let me try. (laughs) There are people with a billion dollars. And even if you had a million dollars, then you'd be concerned about your million dollars. How do I invest it? What do I do with it? How's the stock market going? I wonder what happened. Am I being ripped off? Is it made, and all these things where it doesn't bring satisfaction. Let's bring it down to a lower level, a real need that many of us face. And that is, well, Ed, I just need enough money to make it through the end of the month. If I just had today enough money to make it into the month, I would be satisfied. Which only brings you to the understanding that there's another end of the month coming. And another one coming. And another one coming. It's always something new. If I only had more, then I would. It is to you, the invitation says, come unto me, Jesus says. Come unto me, those you are weary and heavy laden. How about this? How much pleasure would it take to make you satisfied? I mean, how much pleasure do you need? How much entertainment would it take to bring you? You know, the problem with pleasure and entertainment is it doesn't last very long. It, it brings happiness and joy, maybe, you know, like for a sitcom. You're watching a, a half-hour sitcom, 20 minutes of the show, 10 minutes of ads, and then it ends. And if you want it again, you've got to watch it again. And if you want it again, you've got to watch it again. How much entertainment, how quickly the thrill is gone. Even as our theme this year for the Christmas time is the thrill of hope. But the world's thrills, they don't last very long you know, part of our family growing up, is we really appreciate it uh, going to Disneyland, Disney World, we spent some time that I personally like going because if for a, just a little bit amount of time, I can pretend like I have absolutely no responsibilities whatsoever. Do you guys ever feel that way? I may not be Disney, but don't you just want, like, I don't have to have any, at least in my mind for a little bit, but Disney's so funny, man. It's predictable. In the morning, the kids are going in, you know, Yes, 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 Bob, you're the best. On the way out, wah, they got suckers in their head and they're kicking their, like it's, it's the happiest place on earth and then it's not. And you know, Walt Disney has been, he's been lifted up, this man, he's been lifted up as he's a guy to bring happiness and he just wanted to bless his two little daughters and he wanted to bless the world with happiness. Might I suggest to you an alternative truth and that is Walt Disney was a shrewd, businessman, a shrewd businessman. You go, Ed, what do you mean? I was reading an article recently, you know, he had a lot of ideas that didn't actually come to pass. One of them was to build this retreat up in the mountains where people could come up, get away, have time in the mountains, and and enjoy themselves. It actually didn't come to pass, but as they were talking about it, they were asking, they they were talking about it in the business meeting, and they were saying, well, what's going to happen in the evening? Because we've got these things going on in the day. We've got to create something in the evening because he wanted to keep them from leaving the property and going to a nearby town and spending their money. And let me give you a quote from Walt Disney. In this meeting, he said this, and I quote, we need to create something so people will stay with their wallets. Because when it comes to pleasure, there are always those that want pleasure and there are always those that are willing to sell it and to get that extra dollar. You know, when you go to Disneyland, Mickey Mouse is a pickpocket, man. He just takes your money, takes your money, takes your money. You walk in with money and you walk out. What happened? And Mickey's running with his money throwing it around. (laughs) Richest mouse on the planet Earth. But you know as well as I do, even if a vacation gives you a time of fun and recreation, it doesn't last. And it's to you, the person that lives from vacation to vacation, that Jesus says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. It's a difficult world and it's a burden that we all share. It always takes more and more and more and that in and of itself adds to the burdens of life, and it becomes more challenging. Notice what he says back in the text. He says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Now, it's very possible that Jesus grew up to be a carpenter. He was the son of a carpenter, and culturally, sons would grow up to be like their dads and be trained as an apprentice with their dads. Now don't think of a carpenter like we might today in the sense that he was a house builder and that he was putting up A-frame houses and such. Uh, He wasn't a house builder because houses then were built with stone. So a carpenter would make things out of wood. And two primary ways they would make a living. They would make things for inside the home, chairs, desks, those types of things. And they would also make things for the farm, which is where we get the term yoke. A yoke was a wooden cross piece with two holes in it. Basically, if you think of a large piece of wood with two holes in it where you would take two oxen and yoke them together, bring them together. Think of oxen going through f I'm um, plowing a field. Not, without, not with machinery, but with rudimentary, rudimentary things. They would be carrying the plow behind them. and There'd be a guy driving them, and you know two oxen are better than one. So they would put two together of the same strength, the same size, And here's the thing, the yokes being made were not just generic, they were custom-built for the particular animal that they would be on. They would be carefully crafted, which, you know, those of you familiar with the Bible, you know that there's a warning in the Bible not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, And the picture of that would be that when you partner with someone, when you join up with someone, that you generally agree and will go in the same direction. That the yoke that God has designed for you would fit for both of you. That it's impossible to move forward as a believer and an unbeliever. It's difficult and hard and it's not God's will. Those of you that are single right now, making very important decisions to be equally yoked. Now, every yoke shaped for the ox being custom made was intended to help the animal do the work and be comfortable at the same time. The carpenter took great time and attention to make this apparatus. It was to minimize the strain and the pain in the animal's life. And so Jesus is saying to us, Take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy. The yoke you may have been using yourself has been hard, it's been burdensome, it's been challenging, it's been chafing, it's been painful. You've chosen your way for so long. And where has it left you? More restless, more edgy, more tired. And Jesus says, no, I have a work for you. Take my yoke. I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for your existence. Take my yoke and let me teach you. Let me train you. Let me show you a better way. This is amazing. The invitation isn't just to come. As important as that is, it's threefold. Number one, it's to come. Then it's to take or yoke or submit your control. An animal and the yoke, yoked together with it, are submitted to one another to move forward. It's an act of submission and surrender. It's an act of saying, "I, I, I, I am so desperate for this rest that I'm trusting you, God. I want to live for you. And then thirdly is to learn. And to submit yourself and to admit in the gentle, lowly Savior has something that you need to learn. That you need to take in and change your life. And the promise, of course, is that this is the place you'll find rest. Yoked together with Christ. That's where you find rest. Nowhere else. Surrender to Him. You'll find it. It will be found. God will give you that gentle, lowly rest in an upside-down world in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a challenge. God will give you the rest you're looking for.
0: Is that great? So come to Jesus for the rest and peace your heart desires. This is Abound in Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And today we've been listening to a special Christmas Eve message called Unwrap Your Christmas Gift of Rest. To hear today's study again, just visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. There you'll find our podcast, Pastor Ed's blog, our recent radio programs, a place to contact us and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. That's AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient. This month we picked out a book we think you'll enjoy. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you can make a secure donation to the ministry online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Merry Christmas from all of us at Abounding Grace. And come back tomorrow if you can. Pastor Ed Taylor will address the question, why Jesus was born. That's Christmas Day right here. This is Amazing Grace.